Hello and welcome to a special edition of How AI Built This, recorded specifically for Anaconda Nucleus's new content sharing platform. As always, we're brought to you by the wonderful people at Cathcart Associates, technology recruitment experts. Uh, on today's show, I am speaking with Andrew Jones, um, who is the founder and director of Analytics Link, um, and author of the Essential AI and Data Science Handbook for Recruitment, which is available on Amazon now. And he's also the creator of um, the online data science program, Data Science Infinity. So rather than go through uh, a usual kind of show um, about Andrew's career, um, experience in data, um, which uh, we definitely will do another day, we're going to look at a specific topic, uh, which is how do you get a job in data science? Um, So welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you. Very nice to be here. And thank you for coming on. So everyone that's listening probably knows that data science is a very competitive industry. Uh, There's a lot of people who want to be data scientists or work in data. um, And there's a lot of companies who kind of are essentially falling over themselves to do AI in in kind of various different guises. So one of the questions we're going to try and answer on the show is like, as a candidate, how do you stand out? So hopefully Andrew and I can help you answer that today. Uh, So no pressure for the first question on the show, Andrew, but how do you get a job in data? Yeah, no, it's a it's a very big question <laughs> to start with, uh, and and I can at least speak to it from a from a data science perspective. So I've uh, a bit of bit, little bit of background for me. So I've spent over thirteen years in data science and analytics at, at companies like Amazon and more recently Sony PlayStation. And and during my career, I've been very fortunate in that I've had the opportunity to interview and screen hundreds of data science and analytical candidates, and I've been able to see a little bit of what it is that differentiates you know, those who, who land a role versus those who unfortunately miss out. And it it does primarily come down to the fact that there seems to be this disconnect between what's being taught in data science and the, the demands and the requirements in the real world. And it's not, this isn't just my opinion, you know, even though I've had a reasonable amount of experience interviewing. Um, so for Data Science Infinity, just, just as a bit of background. So I, I went out and I talked to hundreds of leaders and hiring managers and recruiters in the field um, and I asked them about skills and tools and techniques and attitudes and education. You know, I asked them, what is it that differentiates a good data scientist from a great data scientist? What is it that differentiates a candidate who lands a role versus one who gets that rejection letter over and over again? And I combined all of that and created Data Science Infinity. But I'm not really here to tell you about that or sell that to you at the moment. So I guess what I, I should try and boil this down is to, you know, where should you focus your time and efforts if you're learning data science in order to put yourself in a in a great position to land a role. And, and you know, there's a, there's a few bits in it, and I'm going to be talking about this at a reasonably high level, but I think, you know, based on talking to all of those those people and my own experience, I think first things first, you do need to, you know, you do need to learn some programming or some coding. And my first recommendation is always to learn SQL, which is essentially just a simple language that you can use to extract and manipulate data stored in relational databases. So thinking, you know, rows and columns. Um, and, and the important thing to know about SQL is that the vast majority of businesses are still storing their data in relational databases. So SQL gives you this really powerful tool to extract that data, to manipulate that data and to extract you know, key business insights very easily. Um, and then on top of SQL, you want to you wanna make sure that you have some experience with a more true programming language. So my recommendation is to learn Python. And I do say Python over R only based on the fact that when I did go out and talk to data science leaders, um, it came out, I think, something like 87% of data science leaders used Python in their team for data science, whereas about 55% used R. So 
in no way am I saying that Python's better than R. I, I love both of those languages. I've had the pleasure of coding in both, the, both of those languages, and I've solved the same sorts of business problems using both. But I just happened to teach Python because it was seemed slightly more common on job descriptions. Then you, you're going to hear about all of the mathematics that you need to become a data scientist. And, and what I tell people is that don't be scared off by this because there are a lot of gatekeepers in the, in the industry that will tell you that if you don't know this, you can't be a data scientist. If you've not done this, you can't be a data scientist. And I want to tell you that's not true. Don't be scared away by this kind of talk. So you do need to know some mathematics, but you don't need to spend a year reading mathematical textbooks before you're allowed to progress or before you're allowed to touch anything or before you're allowed to call yourself a data scientist. You know, my, my thought is to, to look to start learning these mathematical concepts as you start applying things like machine learning algorithms because it's so much more enjoyable learning while you're testing and modifying things and turning dials and pushing buttons and seeing what changes and understanding why that happens. So I think that's a that's a good way to go about it. Don't think that you can't do it because you've not studied mathematics. That's the wrong way to think about this. And I did just mention machine learning, so that's something we should probably talk about because that's you know obviously a, a, a hot topic, um, and it is a huge part of data science as well. So so learning how to apply the commonly used algorithms is definitely worthwhile. But don't for a second think that you need to learn all of them. Um, you know, in the real world, you can solve the vast majority of business problems using, you know, a small subset of those algorithms. So my advice is always just to focus on getting a deep understanding or a really, you know, comfortable understanding of a few of the key ones rather than trying to get a higher level understanding of as many as you possibly can. Um, because I've seen, like I say, I've interviewed a lot of data science candidates and I've seen this happen over and over and over again um, and it's not the right way to go about it. Focus on solving problems, not how many machine learning algorithms you, you might know. Um, and then the, the next thing that I want to discuss, and I think this is really, really key, not only for when you're learning, but also when you're looking to get a role in data or data science, and that's the softer skills. Um, it, it's so, so important to emphasize that data science is not all about the technical skill set. You know, and if I'm completely honest, the best data scientists that I've ever worked with are not the smartest ones by definition. You know, they they know their stuff in terms of coding and, you know, statistics and other key data concepts. But what differentiates them is that they they understand what the business problem is or they understand what the business is trying to achieve and they use data and they use their unique skill set to try and solve that in often, you know, quite clever and creative but often simple ways in a way that will add tangible value. You know, you're not there to sit and be smart. You're there to actually add value to your team and to the business. And that's something that people do forget sometimes. Um, you know, communication, another softer skill is obviously super, super important. Um, you know, I try and boil it down to this. A good data scientist knows a lot of technical concepts. A great data scientist can simplify those down in a way that gets everybody in the team or the business on board and everybody understands them. Because, you know, if, at the end of the day, data scientists, we're actually here to solve problems, not to create new problems for people. We're, we're here to enhance and accelerate business uh, decision making. We're not here to get in the way of that. So what I guess I'm trying to say is, you know, never underestimate the, the softer skill set and how important it is when learning, but also applying for roles, because, you know, that is so, so vital. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, absolutely bang on. We've had loads of discussions on the show about kind of, people's top tips for building teams and also how they got into the industry. And a lot of it is around like, a nice mix of technical and soft skills because obviously you do need to know 
the, the some of the things you've already mentioned. But yeah, being able to put them both together is super important. And also, I suppose this is maybe aimed a bit more at like someone who's moving from their first data science job to their second. But I had an interesting chat last week uh, with someone I'd helped find a role and he, he was recommending one of his old colleagues and said, do you know what? She's probably not got as much experience as some of the people she would come up against, but I would hire her every single day because she's actually been able to put models into production and solve some business problems. So it's like what you just mentioned, like she's not being smart for the sake of being smart. So it's maybe even a good lesson for people getting into the kind of, maybe they're in the territory of looking for their next job. It's like really focus on what value have you delivered and like, how did you do it rather than always worrying about which model or which clever bit of technology you used. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we might get onto this sort of stuff, you know, the further we chat, but when I'm hiring or interviewing, it's not all about the person who knew the answer to some specific, you know, data science question that doesn't, that doesn't dictate who the best person for the role is. So, you know, it, it really is about, from an interviewing point of view, it's about understanding who has the core technical competencies to do this role. And then as soon as you know that they they can do the core things that you need them to do in the team, then understand who's the right person for this role, who's the person that really wants to progress things, to push things forward, to, you know, to add proper value to, to the role and to really go over and above, you know, trying to do that. It's it's not – and this is something I talk about a lot when I – when I say that I think in some cases the data science interview process is a little bit broken because people do rely on these very technical questions to, t- to try and distill who the best data scientist is, and I just don't think that's the right way to go. But that's a little bit of an aside for now. Yeah, we might get into that in a bit. So anyone who's listening up to this point, we're kind of going to assume that if you are listening, you've got some sort of grounding in stats, maths, data, like physics like i don't know something like that um and you're kind of looking at getting into data or how you might um so some of this might be a little bit like what andrew mentioned earlier kind of high level but feel free to listen on and if there's any questions you can you can get in touch with either of us you mentioned earlier already you've kind of helped loads of people um get ready for interviews both technical and non-technical what are your kind of like top tips for for someone about to embark on a, a data focused interview process yeah, I think uh, yeah. So so I you know I have interviewed a number of people, and, and and it's part of what I do for Data Science Infinity is help people, you know, not only learn but move for you know move from that learning stage into the you know successfully interviewing and landing the role that they want. So so it is what I do all day every day. But to be honest, I don't think there's anything overly complex that you need to do when you're thinking about how you should interview. And I, I genuinely think that sometimes the simplest ways are the best. So I think, I think personally, and this is a, a, there's nothing new about this approach, but I think people should really, really focus on it. And it doesn't really matter what level you are, or even if it's a technical or a non-technical role. I think the best way to go into any interview in terms of answering questions is to basically follow that star format that people talk about. And this is, you know, it's well known. You've, I'm sure you've heard of it, yeah. but it's such a good way to prepare any answers, you know, before you go into the interview. Um, but it's also a really good way to deliver the answer is it gives, you know, it gives the interviewer everything that they would need and want from you to, to sort of capture the data on, you know, who the best person is for this role. Um, So, you know, to run through that very, very quickly, you've got S, which is the situation. So in a, in a data sense, you know, start by explaining the context around what the business problem you were looking to solve was, you know, why was that problem needing to be solved? 
Tia's task, you know, what was your role in the overall project? That's pretty simple normally, you know, one sentence. A for action is, is you know, for data is basically run through what you actually did, the technical steps of the project. But also make sure that, you know, when you do this, make sure that you've got things up your sleeve, like why did you choose solution C over solution A and B? Because these are the types of things that any good interviewer will ask you. Um, so make sure that you've thought about that. And, you've, you know, even if you're just talking about what it was you did for the final solution, make sure that you, you have a good understanding of what the steps were you took along the way. Because understanding why one solution worked better than another, not just from a point of view of it gave better classification accuracy, for example, because maybe there were, there were other business considerations and there often are that this one was complex or it was a huge file to store or whatever it may be. Maybe it was going to take way longer to put into place. You know, it was going to take 12 weeks instead of three weeks and that wasn't acceptable from the business's point of view. So you had to choose solution C over solution B, just justify those things. And then finally is R, which is results. And this is super important um, and often gets you know, overlooked or doesn't get enough emphasis. Um, so basically explain what the outcome of the project was, what was the tangible impact that it had, you know, and this can be in terms of dollars saved or, uh, sorry, you know, dollars generated or hours saved for the business or the team. Like it could be anything, just just make sure that you explain, you know, you wrap up the project in a way that, that gives them everything that they need to know. Um, but the other one that can be really, really good, and I, I do have to give credit for this. So this is from a former colleague of mine, uh, when I worked at Amazon, so uh, her name is Gail Gallagher, and she came up with another letter that can go on the end of the star, the star approach. Um, and I do want to give her credit for this. So she's the host of a YouTube channel called The Amazon Interviewers, and to be honest, it is the best resource um, for pre preparing for interviews. So if you are in the process of that, look up her on uh, on YouTube, absolutely. Um, but the, the, the fifth letter that she uses is I, and that's for improvement. So not only talk about, you know, why you did it, what it, what steps you did and what the results were, but, you know, for, for each project, ask yourself, if, if I could have started this whole process again, or if I had more time, what would I have done differently? Or how could my solution have been improved? So why is this important? Well, it shows you that you're, you're genuinely aware of both the, you know, the true business impact, but you also understand the nuance of what you do and why you could have done it differently if the situation was different or, or you had more time, it shows that you, you know, you're looking to improve things beyond, you know, what you currently did. And that can be so, so powerful. And, and very few people actually prepare for that. Um, and a really good interviewer will ask you about that. that. That's a really common question to get. I know from, from my time at Amazon, that was one of the questions that I would often ask people because I really want to know that stuff. You know, I want to know the broader scope of your understanding of why you did things and what the impact was so so always keep that in mind i think you know i know i know that was quite a you know the star approach is nothing exciting it's nothing new but i i genuinely think it is so powerful i guess from a more data sciencey sort of point of view once you do start learning a great way to to show off you know your skills and in your experiences especially if you haven't worked in data science before yourself is to build up a portfolio of projects that's often what people recommend to do and i think it's a great way to do it but i often get quite uh, you know the most common question i get asked about this was well you know which projects should i do and there, there isn't a right or wrong answer here to be honest 
I always say tr- try and go for or choose projects or data sets that excite you or interest you. Don't just think that you need to do the most complex one. Try and do something which you you know you're genuinely passionate about. Maybe it's the type of data or the the things you might need to do with the data, or maybe it's just the the industry that that data comes from. You know, don't just choose something because you think it would be a good idea. But and the basis behind why I say this is that if you're passionate or interested in a topic or in a data set or whatever it may be, you're going to be far more motivated to ask the right questions of the data. You're going to dig deeper into the data. You're going to be thinking about it, you know, while you're having your dinner and you're going to write, you know, write a note down about what you could do tomorrow. You're going to look to test different solutions because you're, you know, it's just always ticking away in your mind. And, and that's not, you know, that's not only from the point of view of building out your project, but the thing with projects is when it comes to the interview time, you're probably going to be asked to talk about one of your projects. And, and if you're passionate and, you know, motivated about it, that shines through to an interviewer. You know, I, you, you can see that somebody's talking passionately about something and why they were thinking about making it better or why they were looking at, you know, trying other things. And that, like, that is the sort of thing which just, you know, a hiring manager loves to see because they can see that you're, you're looking to go over and above, you know, you're looking to really put some effort into this. So it's, it's, again, it's quite a simple piece of advice, but sometimes, you know, those are the things that you just want to focus on because that, like I say, that's the most common question that I get asked is which project should I do? And I, I don't really have the answer for that for you, you know? Yeah, no, I think it was brilliant advice. And I'm really, it's really interesting. You mentioned the improvement piece because it's not something I've thought about adding on to the kind of start technique, but um, I've had a client in Manchester for years that part of their presentation process is, or their interview process, sorry, um, regardless of level, so like graduate, master's, PhD, super experienced, doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a presentation. So it said, tell us about a data problem you solved. And they keep it quite ambiguous because they don't care if it's a data science machine learning ai nlp like they don't care it's just a a problem that involved data how did you solve it and one thing i learned early on from that process from kind of working with that client was to always tell each candidate that was going in what have a section of what you would do differently if either you could do it all over again like would you would you even do the same thing or how would you improve it if you got to go back to it now and make tweaks what would you do? And so many people get tripped up by it, like you said, because either they're not expecting it or maybe they've just not even thought about it. Like it's a project they've done, they've filed that one away and they're on to the next one. So, yeah, no, definitely. And and your point about kind of some sort of portfolio or some sort of side project where you're kind of passionate, I'm, I see it all the time when you speak to candidates and they say, I really want to get into data science. And you kind of ask them, well, have you done anything? Like, have you done anything about it? And they're like, oh, well, not, not yet. And so if you want to get into data science, you're competing against people that are either already doing this stuff or they've got some experience in the kind of so-called real world. Um, so you, you have to do something to go along with other stuff you've already said about software skills and kind of the, the genuine passion side of it. You can't hide that. Like you said, that, that's true for anyone interviewing for any job, really. And you've mentioned the kind of data science hiring process being a little bit broken. I mean, maybe we won't go into huge depth on it. I see that a little bit as well. Quite a lot of the feedback we get from clients is they didn't have the breadth of knowledge on very specific, complex things. When, from my understanding, speaking to people like you and and others in the industry, those things are less important because you can teach most data scientists most techniques. Like that, that shouldn't really be the issue. There's lots of other things that come into play, right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I think from my point of view, there's, I think there's kind of three things which I think are a little bit broken. And one of them is exactly what you've just said. It's that candidates are sometimes being asked to complete these insane coding or technical tasks that they'd never actually need to do in the role. Like if, if there's something very technical that needs to take place in the role, then that's completely fine. But but try and align the questions that you're asking with what the role actually entails because you're going to find it's a very inefficient interviewing process otherwise. Um, the, other, the other two things which, which are kind of bugbears for me are that job descriptions are still being loaded with every possible tool and language or, or the company's entire tech stack. Um, and then the other, the other one is, and this is this is no disrespect to people with PhD because they are incredible and what they've done is incredible. But sometimes you see PhD being listed on a job description, and I just don't think, based on that particular job, that uh, somebody with a PhD would necessarily be any better than somebody else. I mean, obviously, p- people with a PhD have done, you know, an incredible amount of research and they've completed an amazing task, and that does tell you a lot. Uh, but Sometimes I don't think that really needs to be on there. You know, if somebody comes in and they've got a PhD and they can prove that that was a, a really important thing, which aligns with how this role works. And sometimes that is the case in, in sort of research data scientists, then that's an important one. But often it's just listed because I don't know, for the sake of listing it. But anyway, you know, whatever, the, you know, those three things together, they just don't really work. They basically lead to a mismatch between candidates and employers and it, it ends up turning into a very long and arduous hunt you know it's quite an inefficient process and, and i kind of touched on this before but i think instead of doing this if if companies try to you know try to you know illustrate or allude to the the core technical competencies what are the sort of baseline technical competencies that you need in that role and then in your job description, maybe try and showcase the journey that that company's on, that your company's on a little bit more from a data perspective. You know, and this this can help get the right candidates in because they can see that they align with that journey. It gets them excited about the types of projects that you as a company are looking to build. Um, and once you do this, you know, you, you, you'll find that you're able, you're actually able to align, you know, your your actual goals and aspirations with candidates. And, and you can much more quickly find the right person that fits the bill really well. Um, and one thing that, that, that I think you can do in practice and it, it sort of helps solve that because I think the reason that people list out all, you know, everything on the job description is because potentially they don't quite understand what it is they're looking for. Um, and that, that can be a difficult thing. You know, we, we'd want a data scientist. We don't really know what it, what it is we want them to do that, that that's a bit of a problem. So, so my advice is, and, and if you can do this, I think it, it can be really powerful. Again, it's quite a simple concept, but. So sit down, maybe get a person from HR, the hiring manager, and maybe one of the senior data people who's in that team already, for example. That could be a good trio of people. Sit down and list out essentially a day in the life or a week in the life of the person that would fill that role. So a data scientist or a data analyst or whatever it may be, and try and distill what the key tasks or the key skills and requirements that are most important in terms of adding value to the team or to the business. So if you do that, it becomes far easier to write the job description because you know what it is you're looking for. But the bonus of doing that as well is that it also makes it far easier to come up with the right types of interview questions that will help you assess candidates on those aspects that you're looking for rather than you know looking up a data science question online and then just asking it and thinking that 
the person who answers this question best must be the best data scientist, but that might not be the right person for this role or for your sort of company's data journey, I suppose. Yeah, again, a lot of what I say, I think, is quite simple concepts, but I've had some luck with, you know, that in the past, and, and I, I think it works. Yeah, no, I totally agree. One of the big questions I always ask any of our clients when they're on, the, especially when they're hiring their first couple of data scientists, is like, what does the person do, like, every day? Like, what what is this day-to-day, rather than just saying we want them to figure out this one huge piece of work for us in 18 months' time. It's like, okay, cool. Well, what does the day-to-day look like? And then we find out sometimes that we're going to get onto this in a second, but maybe what they need is a data engineer or maybe what they need is, I mean, something else entirely. And they're maybe 12 months away from having a data scientist in the team. But like that's that's fine as long as we work it out now. It's interesting what you mentioned about the PhD. For what it's worth, I think the PhD thing has, has come about because by chance, well, not by chance, by... Um, just because it's a relatively new industry still in in some ways, people with PhDs have lended themselves quite well to like early stage research heavy tech companies who need someone to try and help kind of plan out what they're going to do. And that does lend itself quite well. Um, and it's almost become like a weird prerequisite type thing. Um, but I've now seen equally the same amount of people that have come from like data analysis backgrounds or they were doing something totally different within like credit risk or finance or whatever and they're just dealing with loads of data and they've been able to solve that business's problem so like yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because the phd things came up on the podcast before and obviously there's huge merits and the people that do it like you said are amazing but it's definitely not the only people to do it yeah Um, i mean i I don't I don't have a PhD. I don't have a ma. I didn't even study data science or computer science. I didn't even study mathematics. I studied marketing and psychology, and I just I landed I landed my first role as a marketing analyst, you know, thirteen or fourteen years ago by playing cricket with the manager of that team, and that was my first uh, the first time I ever saw coding, and I coded in SAS, and I you know I saw a bit of machine learning, linear regression, logistic regression for like a churn model, and I was just like it was like magic. And I've just moved, you know, moved industries, moved roles and just learned on the job and, you know, moved my way up. And, you know, uh, so so I'm not saying my way is better than other ways. It's probably a, a longer sort of more of a snaky journey. You know, you're not going in a straight line. You're kind of jinking between roles and industries, but that can be a positive. And, you know, I, I'm not saying I, I think that's a better way of doing it. It's just saying that don't think that if you don't have a PhD or a master's degree that you're, you're not going to be able to get a role and equally for you know, if you're hiring people, don't just assume that somebody with a PhD or a master's is going to be the best person for the role because they might, you know, it's, it's a great filter, you know, but it's not it's not going to tell you everything. Yeah, and I think, you, I mean, marketing is a really good use case of like high levels of data trying to work something out and have a benefit to the business. So like, yeah, if, if someone could come from that background and learn and do the other things really well, then yeah, obviously that, that would work. We touched on technical skills already, right? So, I mean, like you said, you recommend Python as, as kind of program language, but it was really interesting, and, and I'm glad you said it as well, the, the emphasis on SQL first. Like, I've seen a few posts on LinkedIn around that from, from people like you as well, like kind of people who are keen to learn and pass, or, sorry, pass on knowledge and, and um, kind of top tips to get into the industry. And, yeah, I mean, SQL is the, the kind of bread and butter, right? Like, that's, that's not going to change anytime soon. No, I don't think so. I mean, the, you know, the, the the relational databases are just the, for most businesses, you know, there's some 
some businesses which are very new and they can, you know they don't rely on relational databases because maybe they're using a lot of unstructured data but but for the vast majority of you know say retail or financial businesses they do store a lot of their data in relational databases still so with you know whether or not it's just extracting business insights from that data or if it's pulling that data to then use in a machine learning model Either way, you need to you need to know how to do that well. But you can do some really really powerful stuff for the business very simply using SQL. So, I, it's it's very intuitive to learn. So I think it's a definitely you know it's definitely something to be comfortable with. Don't don't disregard it because Python and R are a little, you know deemed a little bit sexier than SQL. It's so important. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's one of my one of my favorite stories when I've been doing the show and also just from doing some of the events that we do. There's a guy in Manchester that I know that. Um, one of the first things he does when he goes into a business is do something relatively simple, normally with SQL, and he'll kind of target the chief marketing officer, the chief finance officer, someone like that, and they'll be amazed by like the two-day time saving or like the X hundred pounds cost saving from something he's done in like fifteen minutes, and that's yep. that that's his way of like getting buy-in from them. So next time he wants to do something like really interesting, and maybe it's going to cost a bit. He's he's already proven it, and normally it's just something pretty simple. Like he said, he's I've talked to him loads, and he said like they're absolutely loving what I'm doing, and I've done no machine learning yet. He was like, yeah. I've just done some pretty cool SQL stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, machine learning is not the solution to everything. You know, it seems like it seems like it when you go on LinkedIn because you know LinkedIn, like any social media platform, is where people showcase their most outlandish or their most successful or their most impressive projects, and often. A SQL query, which saves you some time, or say you know saves the business some money, is not something that you'll showcase, or you can't create a video of it. So it just doesn't it doesn't pop. You know, it's like an iceberg, right? There's the little tip, you know, above it, and and then there's all this stuff happening below it that nobody really talks about. But yeah, I I, I definitely think SQL's a huge value. You know, businesses a lot of the time they the key things they need to do are not necessarily some fancy machine learning model. It's it's making the right decision. It's making that decision quickly because there's comp, you know the competitors are moving or doing something differently, and we just need to know how our companies, how our customers are reacting to that, or whatever it may be. And that is so easily done just with simple SQL queries. But even though it's quite simple, it doesn't mean that it's not hugely impactful. There's no sort of correlation there. Yeah. No, I think bang on. And another thing, and you have touched on this a little bit, but um, from speaking to loads of data scientists on the show, or even when they're um, moving roles, a huge part of what you are going to do as a data scientist is like cleaning loads of really rubbish, like all over the place data and bringing it in and trying to make something out of that. Like, again, you're not going to see that on someone's LinkedIn feed. Like I've spent all day speaking to the business, trying to find out where all the data is stored. And I've just had to clean like all of it before doing anything useful and it's taken me months like you just you don't see that but that's a reality of the job in a lot of in a lot of places right absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and, and people don't think people think the machine learning project is just the model you know just the model or the implementation of the model but to be honest when you when you you know you're building a machine learning project that is part of it for me that 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 the data which goes into it is is everything so that that data cleaning is just part of a machine learning project um, it's just, you know, like you say, it's the bit which nobody wants to speak about, but it's it's equally important. And, you know, the classic garbage in, garbage out. I mean, it needs to be done, right? And and data is often just awful. There's been very few companies I've gone into where the data was really good. There's been a couple, but 
it's it's much rarer than you know the the data you know the same name the column you know there's the same named column in two different tables but it actually means something else or there's two different column names they're actually the same thing or it's just you you could write a book on like the the insanity of data in companies yeah no i bet and i suppose that's the hard thing as well because companies especially in um, technology like they um people will leave all the time right so people don't know where the person that left data is stored people don't know where that project is so like there's there's no easy way around it other than just to roll the sleeves up so yeah i mean that's it's a huge part of it i think we've kind of mentioned the python and r part but one of the things that has come up recently when i've been speaking to a couple of um startups is having kind of progressing data science on a little bit so it starts to look at software like like approaching it like you would be a software engineer if you know what i mean so looking at like looking at um the quality of what you're doing right from the start and having certain processes in place um do you see that as quite important or is that a kind of like utopia data science like in the future yeah, it depends sort of company to company, I suppose, where they're at. I mean, you know, you mentioned it before, that whole idea of the data scientist versus the data engineering kind of topic that, that is often talked about. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because yeah. that I think that's quite an interesting one. Um, and, and to be honest, it's it's somewhat controversial, you know, or at least a better word is probably it's highly debated. It's probably not controversial. <laughs> I don't want to like over-amplify it, but um, I get, well, at, firstly, I guess at a super high level, if, if anyone's listening and, you know, they're not quite sure the differences between data science and data engineering, I guess you could say that data science is the process of making data useful or adding value using data. Data engineering is probably more the process of making the data usable or maybe, you know, integrating the data with the infrastructure that the company has. So, a data, a data scientist might spend their all of their day looking at the data itself, whereas a data engineer is probably going to spend some of their time looking at the data, but you know some of their time looking at the data infrastructure and how they can pass the data between things. You know, very very high level generalization, but the the reason for the debate is that there's a little bit of a gray area between the two. Um, and again, broadly speaking, there are you know there are those who believe that data scientists should absolutely have that full suite of data engineering skills. And then there are those who believe that, you know, these skills fall outside the scope of a data scientist's skill set um, and that they should focus their time on exploring the data and finding insights and creating the machine learning models themselves. I personally don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, and it is, it's going to be very different role to role and company to company. Often in smaller companies, you find there's more of a blur because they might only have a small team of people in data and they need those people to sort of cover a little bit more of a broader broader area but um and, and in larger companies you might find you know there is a data science team and there is a data engineering engineering team in my experience i don't think you should you know if you're a data scientist you should necessarily have all of the data engineering skills but i don't think that you should ignore them as well i think it's somewhere in the middle but probably more in, in my view probably more towards the side where like the deployment and the maintenance of the data and the models themselves should be handled by a team who have a slightly more focused or slightly different skill set than the data scientists themselves, so a team of data engineers. And I kind of like to think about it in this way. So like you, you could equally argue that data scientists should have skills in marketing as we often work alongside the marketing team. 
And while I do believe that we should have like a solid understanding of what teams that we work with do, I don't see that, you know, I don't believe that a data scientist should spread their resource everywhere. And that's why, you know, in a business, there would be a marketing team who can focus more heavily on the specifics of that role. Again, it will, you know, the responsibilities of a data scientist just going to be different role to role and company to company. But again, personally speaking, the best setups that I've been involved with um, is where there is a team of data scientists doing their thing and there's a team of data engineers doing their thing. And they obviously work side by side and they both try and appreciate and understand each other's roles so they can work together as efficiently as possible because they are working together all the time. They're, they're, they are similar roles. You know, but in these setups, it's not expected that any individual would have a, you know, any data scientist would have a skill set that can cover both roles, just just like you wouldn't expect a data scientist to know everything about marketing. There's some stuff in data engineering that's so specific, you know, the, the infrastructure and the security, that's not something that maybe a data scientist has the resource to look at because they have so much stuff to do themselves so maybe that becomes a risk. It really does depend, again, on the role in the company. But I, I personally don't think that data scientists should think that they now need to learn all of these data engineering skills. I think there's so much to learn anyway that <laughs> don't don't spread yourself too thin and don't don't put pressure on yourself. Again, focus on what you're passionate about, and that might lead you down a more data science-y path or a more data engineering path. But don't don't think that you're going to have to try and learn everything because it's it is too much for any person to understand like really really well. Yeah, no, definitely agreed. Uh, and data engineers become, I mean, arguably harder to find good data engineers in the UK. We yeah. found over the last uh, last wee while. Um, and it is an interesting skill set, but a lot of the people we found that end up being very, very good data engineers start as a data scientist at a smaller company and they've kind of, they've got to go digging around and they end up setting up the infrastructure from a data point of view. And they really enjoy that part more than like maybe the, the building models part. So um, they end up staying there. Uh, so that is kind of one way, I suppose, of doing it. But yeah, it's, it's a different skill set. And I think it's probably intertwined into when clients can't interview to the best of their abilities they sometimes maybe try and fit too much science and engineering in the same job um mm -hmm. which probably isn't very fair on the person um but you're right you, you will need to interact both like with both of those teams all the time so i think the understanding is going to be pretty important um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something to be to think carefully about if you're starting a team or you're starting up a you know a data team because and you touched on this very quickly earlier that sometimes people will hire data scientists because they believe they'll be able to do that but you know the business is actually in the stage where they they still don't have the data flowing in they don't have the data being structured in the right way and that that is a skill set which is most likely a data engineering skill set. So you do need to know that maybe you need a data engineer in first, maybe that's on a contract basis, maybe that's three months and you think that's enough and then you can bring in a data scientist and they can do their magic. Um, so yeah, you do need to be careful as a, as a sort of a hiring manager, maybe if you're starting up a team to know that you're getting the right person in for the tasks that are required at the time. Yeah, yeah there's nothing worse than if you bring someone in and they're kind of set up for failure. Um, one thing that comes up a lot, and maybe we take this for granted um, on my side of the fence, but maybe also um, from like hiring manager's point of view, people talk a lot about getting models into production, right? Um, if you're someone who is just finishing some sort of maths-related degree or is really interested in data science, so that maybe they're picking up um, some like Kaggle projects, like 
what what does getting a model into production actually mean? And then what does it look like from when you've worked in teams? Well, it can it can mean a whole lot of different things, and and it does get talked about a lot. And it's this it it comes along in the same debate of data scientists versus data engineers. Um, that you know, a data scientist needs to know how to get a model in production, but not everything, not everything that a data scientist does is is building a model and then you know putting it into some infrastructure where it can receive inputs via you know a web application and then send you know send outputs out. That's that's not everything that we do, and it's probably a small proportion of what we do. So again, don't think that that is what data science is. There is so much more to it than that. You know, if if you were to build a report or, you, you know, like we were saying before, you use SQL to extract insights or you're just using a, a, a predictive model to help select the right customers for some sort of campaign, sometimes these things don't actually need to be put into production. It, it, it doesn't always have to happen. It, it's often, you know, in the case of a web-based company or an online company, that's probably going to be the case because you're going to implement these things onto the website so customers can then, you know, put in their information and it's going to churn away behind the scenes and provide them with some information based on, you know, historical events that have happened. There's so many ways. It's a really tricky one to learn as well because every company that you go to are doing that slightly differently they have a different set of requirements they have different security they the way they do that is so different and and you know you could say we'll just learn some you know some some cloud-based tools and that's a good way to think about it but then everyone's using those differently again um you know when i teach obviously my my data science infinity program is is heavily data science focused but we do we do touch on the data engineering side of things to a bit. We talk about the considerations you need to make when working with the data engineering team. We we do put a machine learning model into production, um, but we use a a, a, a tool called called Heroku, which uh, which is all uh, it all sits on top of AWS, but it makes things nice and easy. And we put a machine learning pipeline um, on on there, so it's sitting on a live website. It's nothing fancy to look at, but you can see how that works behind the scenes. So at least when you go for an interview and they say, "Have you, you know, do you have any experience with models in production?" You at least have something to go on. You can say, "Yeah, I've done this," but no, very, very rarely do you go into an interview and you know exactly how that company does all of their, you know, has all of their infrastructure or how they put their models into production. You're going to need to learn that stuff anyway. So, you know, my, my aim, and again, it's a data science program, is is to teach mostly data science and how to be clever with the data and just, just give, you know, a, a foundation of how to do that. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a tricky one because people are doing such different things and they have such different requirements. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's a, as good an answer as you're going to get because you're right, nobody's doing it the same way. Um, and then just to finish off, you've touched on it briefly there, but um, Data Science Infinity uh, is obviously your kind of teaching course and, uh, and what you're doing and uh, and you've uh, helped loads of people already, but what uh, to tell us about, about it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. So, um, yeah, so data science infinity is my full program for people wanting to learn data science. So, so like I said earlier, you know, I found when I was interviewing and screening candidates throughout my career, I found that there was this disconnect between what students are learning, and that could be on in online courses or even university courses in the requirements of the real world. So I sort of set out to try and fix that. So the 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 program essentially revolves around three basic principles. So firstly, you learn the right 
content so so the content isn't just based on my opinion of what you should learn and this is often you know you go into youtube or you go you know into any you know even linkedin and everyone's saying you need this you need this you need this so i didn't want to be just another voice shouting at you so so this is based on the input of hundreds of leaders and hiring managers and recruiters in the field so students essentially know that they're learning the skills and the concepts that hiring managers actually need and want um, secondly, you learn in the right way. So it's, it's all taught with a focus on intuition and understanding and application. Um, so one of the biggest factors that can differentiate a good data scientist from a great data scientist is their ability to, to convey or communicate quite complex ideas to stakeholders and to, to managers who often, you know, they, they hold the key or they, they give the green light for your model to be put into production or for it to affect the customers in some way. So, um, you need to be you need them to be able to trust it. So learning and with a focus on intuition and, and understanding is a great way to be able to then vocalize that and convey that to other people. Um, and then thirdly, so with the program, you get unlimited guidance and support, um, you know, throughout your whole data science journey. So if you get stuck or you get demotivated or you want guidance on interviewing because you've got this certain interview coming up um, or you want your CV reviewed so it's more appealing or you just want to discuss a project that you're working on, whether, you know, whether it's one, you know, in your portfolio or if it's something you're even working on at work, then I'm right there to help. This is what I do. I, I sit in my little office all day and I help the students in the course. And that's something that very few, if any other courses can offer. And I, I, you know, like I say, I've seen this disconnect. I've seen people come and go and be very disappointed in interviews because they haven't learned the right ways. They haven't learned how to sell themselves in the right way. So essentially with those, th- you know, with those three things in mind, it's all geared towards, you know, moving you ahead of the pack and into a great role, you know, the role that you really want. So, so that, that's Data Science Infinity in a nutshell. Nice. And is it aimed at like, anybody, like in anyone enroll? So I've got students ranging from people who are already in data science and they want to sort of push it a little bit further and i've got people who have done no data science whatsoever so uh one of the students in the course was a hairstylist they hadn't done any data science or or anything really technical before and they both have been able to follow it through you know because I, i try and always start with the key the core concepts you know we run through a high level overview then we might create a code stencil you know a very basic code stencil so you can push buttons and turn dials and see what happens then we go through all of the advanced theory and then we you know we finish off by applying what you know what we've learned in an advanced project where you you actually put it into practice um so it can kind of work for anyone it's more tailored for people who are looking to come early on in their career whether you want to move into data science from another industry or you want to you want to learn data science. Uh, it's it's not for people who are super advanced. Um, even though we do go right up to some very advanced concepts, um, it, it it's all about providing the the right foundational components for people to. And this is this is the reason it was called Data Science Infinity. So not only do you you know you got unlimited access to the content and the guidance and support, it sort of gives you this platform to to progress in any way you want because you've got the foundational concepts sorted in your head. Um, and we'll link it up when we post the show. But where can people check it out? So it's it's the the site where you can find it is data dash science dash infinity dot teachable dot com. Um, so there you can find more information on the the program. Obviously, you can find feedback from students in the course. You can find a bit more about me. You can see the full course curriculum, and there are preview preview videos that you can watch as well. So you can have a look at my teaching style, and you you can sort of get a feel for if it's right for you. Um, and then obviously uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, 
Um, and I am in my office all day, you know, Monday to Friday. So if you want to get in touch, you can DM me on LinkedIn and I will always get back to you. Absolutely. Nice. Amazing. And then that's also best finish on the book as well. So who's the book aimed at? And tell us just very briefly about what inspired you to do that. So the book was something that I wrote um, a, a little while ago now, um, but it was so it, that started as a conversation I had between uh, a recruiter that I was um, that I had worked with in, in a current role that I was working on. You know, he, he came and he met me for lunch to, just to, to catch up and I was telling him about the types of things I was working on at, at PlayStation and he he just really really wanted to know more about it not only from a you know it it was some of the stuff for PlayStation is really interesting but um, also from his point of view as a recruiter you know in the field of data science he wanted to know more about these technical things that I was talking about because he felt it would it would help him get you know closer to not only the candidates and, and an understanding of what they can and can't do and the you know how difficult certain things are perhaps. Uh, but also get a, you know, a, a better, richer relationship with the clients and, you know, the job descriptions. Can can they, can you offer more assistance when writing job descriptions? Because you know what these things mean. So rather than just, you know, an example might be, and we've sort of touched on this a little bit, if a candidate comes and they know R, but the job description says Python, should you just turn them away? Because they don't have it. But if you have an understanding that R and Python is similar enough that a person who's comfortable in R and knows how to solve problems could very easily move that into Python if needed, then there's no reason to turn that that candidate away. Or, you know, similarly from an algorithm point of view, you know, this this particular client saying that they need certain types of algorithms to be used and this this candidate doesn't seem to have that. But the reality is if I knew more about what that candidate had done, I can see that those things are actually very similar and and that is a good candidate so I can feel confident pushing them forward so it's a it's called the um the, the uh, essential AI and data science handbook for recruitment so it's it's essentially me running through the the key data science and artificial intelligence concepts and uh, technical terminology that you'll see on job descriptions and CVs and explaining what they mean and sort of you know nice accessible terminology so you you can sort of get closer to clients and to candidates nice no it sounds amazing and i'm sure you could use that from my job in recruitment but also hiring managers or um loads of startups now want to work yeah. in the world of ai and they've got an idea but they want to hire a data scientist but not they're not technical so the two three four founders aren't technical so how do they go about hiring so yeah something like that would be really cool Nice. Well, well, thanks so much for joining. Really do appreciate the time. I would love to get you back on into like a, a full run through your career and talk about the PlayStation stuff and the Amazon days. But yeah, for now, hopefully that is helpful to uh, some people trying to get into data. Um, I'll post this up with links to both of us, obviously. So if people have got questions, you can reach out to either of us and whenever. And yeah, just thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. It's been great. Thank you very much. <laughs>